You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. In the past, in the future, are illusory to me because we we can only think about it and we can project into the future. But the present moment is where we have fellowship with God. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Taylor, and we are joined by the pastor of Jose Jose, thanks for being here. And by pastor of spiritual formation, Bob Moss. Bob, thanks for being here. I'm very happy to be here. I am excited to dive into the season finale, the series finale for Kingdom Manifesto. Nine weeks. That is quite a time. Plus Easter and focus. So 11 weeks. Rolling around. Yes, yes. And the first Sunday, it was um, both of y'all actually were on stage because it was the snowpocalypse and <laughs> February 14th. And so Jose gave an intro. Bob, you recited Sermon on the Mount. So anyways, that was, I don't know where you were. Uh, yeah, a lot's happened since then. But anyways, beside the point, we're going to kind of recap and then just kind of dive into what, Jose, you talked about on Sunday. So I'd love for you to start off by kind of kicking us off, kind of some thoughts as you not only were focused on kind of this week's passages, but also just kind of closing out the series. Yeah, a lot of going back to what Jesus has been saying it, how he has been saying it, and it really did strike me that he leaves us with a stark contrast, true or false, and he doesn't pull any punches. He also, I said this first service and I didn't say it at the 1030 gathering. Um, he also give, he gives us the answers. He tells us which way is true and which way is false. So he doesn't test us. He gives us the answers. And um, again, I shared that for me, absolute truth is something that I totally believe in, but it's hard for me to speak out because I'm very aware that the person that I'm speaking with may not be in that same place. And so imposing my, you know, views on others is an issue. Well, here I am preaching, you know, absolute truth. Absolutely. And so it's really comforting to me how Jesus is so clear um, through these four scenes. So uh, it was difficult for for me as I studied the passage to come up with, um, you know, how to tie them all together because individually they could be a series in and of themselves. But um, I hope, that it was concise and clear for the most part. And again, really um, pumped to be done with the series. Yeah, yeah, no, so much to unpack. And before we get into kind of diving into the passages, Bob, I'd love to hear your thoughts, not only on the passages we talked about on Sunday, but just the series as a whole, as uh, just reading through the red letters of of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and just what that has meant to you. Well, I thought the way that uh, Jose tied it all together at the end, by talking about true and false. And uh, I, I, I had never seen it like that before. And I thought you did a beautiful job. Thanks, uh, it was really good. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's dive into some of those uh, kind of topics and then hit, I, I can read, I took notes, so I, read, I can read the, the, the true and false statements here. The first is the wide and narrow gate, wide and narrow path talking about verse 13 through 14 of Matthew chapter seven. And so we've got both a false statement and a true statement. The false statement is that following Jesus is narrow-minded, exclusive, and leads to a dull life. And then the true is that following Jesus exclusively is the most inclusive way and the only way to abundant and everlasting life. We talk about, and this is one of the points, Jose, you mentioned for this part, is making Jesus a priority. Bob, you've shared this in many times in conversations we've had, as well as just from the stage. So when it comes to 
practically making this happen because it's something that when we're in church, we can say, yeah, Jesus is a priority or he's a priority for the next hour while I'm here. But but what have both of y'all been able to do to kind of extend and be able to prioritize Jesus, not just on Sundays and maybe during community group, but but even just throughout your whole week and in every asset of your of your life? I love uh, the first word in verse 13, enter by the narrow gate. So he's inviting us to enter. He's waiting for us on the other side. And that's really when I think about and remember that it's an invitation to um, go with Jesus, to live life with Jesus, to welcome him in whatever season, um, whatever circumstance I may be living through. Um, that makes it not only is it a reminder to make him a priority, but then he becomes the priority because he's the one that invited me in the first place. So a constant reminder this week, was a was a, a hard week in in some cases, but we as a as a team as a leadership team uh, had a day of prayer and fasting, and um, that was a constant reminder that God's already working; He's already moving, and what we need to do is remember and join Him versus you know somehow summon Him to you know uh, yeah summon Him or, or welcome him, him into our lives. Yeah, we do welcome Him in our lives, but He was already there to begin with. Yeah, Bob, I'd love to hear your thoughts on making Jesus a priority. Well, for me, it time is divided up, up into three parts. You've got the past, the present, and the future. And the past and the future are illusory to me because we, we can only think about it and we can project into the future. But the present moment is where we have fellowship with God all the time. And as long as we're staying in the present moment, aware of what's going on, consciously aware that Jesus is with us, it makes our uh, awareness of mm -hmm. living his way more real. That's really good, really good stuff here. The second point is talking about this idea of tree and its fruit and just false teachers and being mindful of that in verses 15 through 20. And the false statement is to live a productive life, just or to live a productive life, just take care of looking good on the outside. And then Jose, you wrote here, the true is healthy influences practice inside out living and their actions produce fruit that impacts others for good. Just this idea of whether it's kind of just putting on this facade or putting on this face and trying to make sure everyone around us thinks that we're looking good or that we've got it all together. Uh, just really instead seeking through to that and, and seeking authenticity, as well as this idea of just even who we are following and who are the yeah. people that are speaking truth in our lives. So, so much to unpack just in that one little section here, but I'd love to hear both of y'all's thoughts on what does it look like maybe just even this week to take one kind of small step to kind of applying these truths. Yeah, who, who you surround yourself with is so important. And so we just, I love that this is second to narrow and broad um, gates because there are influences in your life that want to lead you either to one or the other. And personally, I'm so grateful for our time together every single Monday as a team where we remind ourselves what God is up to. Um, I'm so grateful for my Tuesday uh, evening community group where we come together and share what is going on in our weeks and also focus in on God's word. We're reminded uh, Sunday morning gatherings um, are huge. There's a couple of other gatherings, but that's my gig. My point is um, have a few touch points in the week that 
where you're surrounded by people who will influence you to follow Jesus. And when we do that, and we do that authentically, we, we, we do produce fruit. Amen. And the statement that he made, watch out for false yeah. prophets. He said, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. But the way that he tells us to discern what they are like is to look at their fruit. So fruit is uh, the key, even for us as disciples of Christ, because uh, Jesus said there are three things that are going to make it very evident that you are my disciples. Number one, in Roman, or in John 8, he said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. And then in John 13, he gave us the new commandment to love one another uh, the way that he loved us. And he said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. And the third way was in John 15 when he said, if you bear much fruit, you will show yourself to be my disciples. And he's talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit there. So... Uh, when you look at a false prophet, all you have to do is look at his attitude. Hmm. You know, look at uh, what kind of demeanor, what kind of character does he have? You know what that reminds me, Bob, is those uh, preachers on the Texas State campus that grace uh, the campus every year at some season, and they are, you know, straight fire and brimstone and remember speaking with one of them, they actually don't believe that they have sinned. Um, and so they believe that they're righteous before God due to their own merits, not anything that Jesus has done for them. And anyone that is in sin is doomed to hell. And that's false teaching. It is. And so you look at their fruit. How are they speaking? Let's well, not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. <laughs> And so therefore, that's it. Mm -hmm. you, just, you just look at what you said. That's so, that's so good. What were those three things in John? It was John 8. He said, if you continue in my word, in my word. then you're my disciples. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you love, love the way others. that I loved, yeah. people will know that you are my disciples. And then in John 15, he says, when you bear much fruit, you show yourself to be one of my disciples. John 15 also, he says, remain in me, Re, yeah. you cannot bear any fruit. That's so exactly right. Word, loving others, and then spending time with God. Man, that's so good. That's really good. That's good. And this kind of ties into the following verses in 21 through 23, just talking about this. Uh, it's a difficult passage talking about where Jesus is going to say, I never knew you to certain people. And there's kind of the false sense that uh, the false lie here is that I have to prove to others that I know Jesus through my external actions. And then the truth here is that authentic disciples personally know Jesus internally. Uh, Jose, this is where you mentioned that illustration of you can know of someone, but that doesn't mean that they know you personally. And just kind of, I wrote down here just some notes about we want to be real and honest with where we're at. And then a lot of that starts by just being authentic and honest with ourselves um, again, would love to hear both of y'all's thoughts on this. A lot of this does involve community and just being surrounded by people. And it's not just getting yourself in the room, but also opening up, which can be difficult because that 
means vulnerability. That means humility. And those are things I don't always want to go. I don't want to go there all the time. So what are some maybe ways, whether they're baby steps or big steps that y'all would recommend to someone that's maybe just, they, they don't want to go real. They don't want to go and be authentic. And so we just all have that kind of tendency to, to seclude or isolate. So what are maybe some ways in which this week we can, we can apply this, this truth here? I think fellowship has everything to do with it because when it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, what does that mean to be in Christ? And when we think of Jesus, uh, he, he is the head of the church, but he talks about his body and his body is collectively all of the believers all around the world. But being a part of a local body of believers is the key to being uh, in Christ, abiding in Christ. Uh, we do that individually, but we do that collectively too. And <clears throat> fellowship is the key yeah. to that. And fellowship is not a means to an end. Fellowship is the objective. <laughs> That's right, because when we're hanging out with a purpose, <laughs> which is a, uh, a word or a phrase that, Bob, you've coined and has helped me tremendously, you hang out with a purpose. What is that purpose? The purpose is to glorify Christ. Amen. The purpose is to love the other. That's it. That's it. It's, uh, and, and when we do that, uh, I do think that it gets easier to open up. Now, a lot of us don't open up because we've been hurt, because we um, are... We're paranoid. We think that someone's out to get us, and uh, it is risky. Bottom line is, I'm not telling you. Yeah, open up yourself to someone in the church, and they will not hurt you. That that's that's a false statement because the church is made up of imperfect people. That's that right. Hurt one another, um, and so what we have to do, I think, is will be willing to take the risk and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you mm -hmm. to a group, be it a community group or a certain person or through, you know, the gathering of believers on, on Sunday morning, God highlights someone, man, I'm drawn to this person. There's something about this person that just, you know, uh, is, is calling me in a way and then approach that person and say, Hey, I'm, I'm missing that koinonia, that fellowship in my life. Let's meet up for coffee. And that's, I think, where um, we develop that intimacy with someone else. And ultimately, that's a big part of our fellowship with the Lord is with one another. There's the individual mm -hmm. part. And I think that's, that's number one. Um, but then who are you surrounding yourself with? It's interesting. I'm now seeing this as a funnel. He's talking about the narrow way. And then he's saying, okay, who are you influenced by? And then he's saying individually, know Jesus. And then he finishes with you know, or building your life. Perfect segue. That's right. The two foundations in uh, verses 24 through 27. We've got the falsehood statement here. They're saying a purposeful life is built on merely listening and having good intentions. But the truth here is that wise builders live on purpose and take the time to establish a firm foundation that can withstand all storms of life. And I'd love to, again, ask y'all kind of a similar question here when it comes to uh, one of the things that stood out to me in this even this passage is that it's not going to happen on accident. You don't just come up with a firm foundation, just like you don't wake up and have that. That's something that just like a builder would work on that. And it's oftentimes going to take longer and you're going to have to dig further. And so uh, what would maybe be some some words of wisdom that you would have to someone that is wrestling with this, where they've got maybe this 
this easy shortcut route that they've maybe been used to taking for so many years, but they, but then deep down, they know that they really should be investing in spiritually and just in that firm, solid relationship and foundation. The, uh, I think what we're talking about is the difference between failure and success. And in the Old Testament, there were only two passages that even mention success and prosperity. One is Joshua 1.8, and this actually 7 through 9. And then in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And both passages mm-hmm. emphasize meditating on the Word of God day and night. Mm-hmm. Because meditation in the Word of God is key to living and building your life on a strong foundation. What can I say to that? That's that's right, Bob. And you lead us so well in doing that. I mean, I love that you just said that in the last question. Well, maybe not the last question. I don't know, Taylor, what, what notes you have. But on this series, when you've exemplified that at the beginning of the series, when you Memorize you, you recited the whole Sermon on the Mount through memory. So that is both a blessing and a challenge to all of us to continue to build on the foundation that's already built. Um, I also know that in times of storms, that's when chaos is revealed. That in, in, in times of chaos, that's when character is revealed. And so, because I have memorized certain passages as we've worked together, Bob, I now have those hidden in my heart. Now I can turn to my phone and, 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 you know, find one easy, um, or I can flip my Bible if it's in front of me, but there's nothing like having the word of God hidden in your heart Amen. when you need that. Amen. And that's what gives me purpose. That's why I chose that word because the storms often show us the purpose of why we're, we need to build our foundation on something solid. There's nothing more solid than the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. So true. So true. I'd love to kind of cap off actually with this last part about uh, just the authority and the power that Jesus had and kind of the, it's, it's not actually the words that Jesus said, but more so that what we hear the reaction to the crowd, to the words that he said, and just that idea that we are able to tap into that power and that authority. And that this isn't just like, some kind of self-help guide that we hope works out, but this truly is Jesus's words. And so I'd love to kind of hear just some quick thoughts from both of y'all of what impact that has had, just even the, the God's authority in these scriptures and in this truth and how that maybe differentiates itself from a lot of the other kind of helpful things that we hear in our, in our life. Well, at the end of the sermon, the people were amazed at his teaching because he did teach as one who had authority. But after the resurrection, at the end of Matthew, when he's giving us the great commission, he himself tells us, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, I tell you, go there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's speaking out of the authority that he had as the Son of God. When he completed his work, 
He tells us in Revelation 3.21, he says, I sat down with my father on his throne. And then he invites us to sit down with him on his throne. But he says we do that by overcoming. And the only way we can overcome is by abiding in him and his word and letting his word abide in us. That's so good, Bob. Thank you so much for sharing. Jose, I'd love to give you the final word as we not only wrap up this message, but also the entire nine-week series. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to have a good summary, except he is so good. Amen. Jesus is so good. Um, his words are as relevant uh, today as they were the day that he spoke them. You know, I, I think about the disciples that are there listening to him and um, they had quite the journey afterwards. They had a lot of questions still. This wasn't a got it and, and they had it all figured out. Um, they were on a journey and so are we. Amen. So as we continue in our journeys, I think this has taught us to really uh, cling to God's word and allow it to speak into our lives. No matter what. Amen. All right. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us, conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.